Scriptures to the book of Psalms, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I'm just going to read the first ten verses this morning, this evening. It's a psalm of exhortation to trust in the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear Him, and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. O oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Here the psalmist David begins with his own example of the Lord's deliverance. And he moves to the experience of all of God's people, all of the saints, and God's perpetual grace toward them. He, At the end of this psalm, we didn't read that, but in verse 22, he says, None of those who trust Him shall be condemned. What a guarantee. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Calvin sums it up in this way. He said, David gives thanks to God for a signal deliverance and takes occasion from it to celebrate his perpetual grace toward all the saints and to exhort them both to trust in him and to the study of godliness affirming that the only way to pass through life happily is to walk holily and harmlessly in the world in the service and fear of God. You know, we think we can find happiness in other ways, but he assures us the only way to true happiness is by following the Lord, trusting in Him. <clears throat> he begins the psalm, I will bless the Lord at all times. Uh, that means really in all situations, uh, in every circumstance, everything that happens to him, he's going to trust in the Lord. I will bless him. I will praise him. Uh, Psalm First uh, Thessalonians chapter five verse eighteen. Uh, Paul tells us in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now that could mean two things. It could mean Whatever we whatever uh, comes upon us, we are to give thanks to God for He's the one who brought it. Uh, and then it's also to give thanks to Him because this is His will for us in Christ Jesus. There's nothing that happens to any of God's children 
that God has not planned and foreordained for their good. Uh, we're told to be anxious for nothing. That's something we need to learn. We have trouble being anxious for nothing. We can be, find ourselves anxious for everything. Everything that happens, we're unsure what's going to come of all of this. But the Bible tells us to not be anxious. One of the great hymns that we sing says, Through all the changing scenes of life, in trouble and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. And, and notice he says here, I will bless the Lord at all times. It's more than what he feels like doing. It's a matter of determination. It's more than just an emotion, but it's a commitment. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless him at all times. Now, I don't mean and I don't believe David means here that it's a matter of sheer determination or blind determination uh, that denies reality. There's some uh, so-called Christian groups that just deny what's happening around them. Uh, but that's not what he's saying here. No, he's looking back over what has come upon him and how God has delivered him and answered his prayer. And that becomes now fuel for him to give thanksgiving and praise to God. Look how God has delivered me in the past, and I'm sure He will deliver me in the future. Notice he says in verse 4, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6, This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Now those are some important things to keep in mind. We're to look back to see what God has done and to give thanks and to trust Him for the future. Uh, Charles Simeon uh, applied this in two ways. He says, first of all, there are no troubles so great, but God is able to deliver us from them. Neither our temporal or spiritual troubles can well exceed those of David. Yet, if he was saved from this, why may not we from ours? Don't doubt His power or grace. So He can deliver us from any trouble. Look how He delivered David throughout his life. From the slaying of Goliath to delivering him from the hand of Saul. God delivered David from all of his trouble. In the second place, uh, there are no troubles so great, but God will deliver us from them all in answer to our prayers. Notice He said, This poor man cried out. That is, he cried out to God. He didn't just cry out in a complaint, but that complaint or crying was directed to the God of heaven and earth. Jonah, he says, cried out from the belly of the whale, the psalmist from the miry clay and out of the depths. And so the Lord delivered him. And so Simeon says, let none then despond, whatever be his trouble or whatever his guilt, but let all be assured that if their faith be only as a grain of mustard seed, it shall prevail to the casting out of mountains, whether of difficulty or of sin, into the very depths of the sea. And I like how he applies it to more than the physical uh, struggles that we have, even the spiritual struggles. A look at David when he sinned so greatly and grievously against God. Oh, what did he do? 
He cried out to the Lord, Have mercy upon me according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. And the Lord heard him. God has forgiven you your sin, Nathan told David. God has put it away. Now, he had consequences to face and to pay, but his sin was removed far from him. So the Lord heard David in his sin. Won't he hear us in our sins? If we cry out, maybe we feel like our our sins have gone over us. That hymn writer says, My sin hath gone over me, yet is this still my plea? Jesus has died. So we cry out to the Lord in the midst of our trouble, whether they're physical afflictions or spiritual afflictions. And then notice verse 2. He says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Boasting is generally an evil thing. Men boast of all kinds of things. They boast of their wealth of their talents, of their strength, of their knowledge, of their beauty, of their position. Even people will boast of their age. <laughs> I never quite get that. Someone, you know, they'll say, I'm 87 years old now, or I'm 91, as though that's some something to boast about, that God has kept them living that long, and that's a good thing. But men will become pride, prideful over anything they could imagine. Uh, Charles Simeon said, ungodly men love to boast of themselves. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you remember, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. And the king spoke saying, is this not great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling in my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Here's a king. And when people are lifted up, they're often lifted up with pride. And that's what we need to be careful about. William J. said, Some boast of their wickedness, which is glorying in their shame. Some boast of their goodness, when too they have none. For there is a generation, the Bible says, who are pure in their own eyes, and yet they're not washed from their filthiness. Uh, Even professing Christians boast often of their spiritual attainments, of their time that they give to prayer or witnessing or reading of the Scriptures. They boast of this when they should be humbled. Uh, There's a great problem with the Corinthian church. They boasted of their spiritual gifts, of their teachers. I am of Apollos. I am of Paul. I am of Christ. And they were boasting in this way. You remember Paul's instruction to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He he reminds them of their calling. You're boasting of all of these things. Don't forget who you are, he says. Remember your calling, brethren. Not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble are called. In other words, he's saying, look around. What are you? Who are you? God, he says, has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen. Look at you. You're all of that. You're the foolish of the world. You're uh, the weak of the world. You are the base of the world. That is nothing to glory about. And then he brings them to the end. Uh, He says, but as it is written, he who glories, let him 
glory in the Lord. And that was David's pattern. He says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. We need to do more boasting in what God has done. Paul did this even when he would have to at times show his attainments as an apostle. And yet he would say, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. I labored more abundantly, but not I, but the grace of God in me. So he made sure that any boasting he did was boasting in God and what God has done. The fruit of this boasting, he says, the humble, the end of verse 2, the humble shall hear of it and be glad. You see, the godly are watching. They're being watched and they're watching. Uh, They watch when you stumble, of course. But they also watch when you're doing the right thing as well. The humble he's talking about here, those who, who see who they really are before God. They, they see their need. They see their poverty. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit. Those who know that in themselves dwelleth no good thing. That anything they have is from the Lord. And again, that's what Paul said to the Corinthians. What do you have that you didn't receive? That is, what do you have that you didn't receive from the very hand of God? Not as a merit for your goodness or your works, but by His grace. And so the humble are those who understand this. They understand that it's God who is the one who delivers. If you look down in verse 17 through 19, he says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so they understand that deliverance comes from the Lord. As the psalmist said in Psalm 75, 6, exaltation comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the north and south. But God is the judge and He puts down one and exalts another. That was the lesson that Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, the one who was boasting in his own attainments, had to learn. God humbled him. Humbled him literally down to the dust. Down to the ground. And then God raised him back up when he realized that it's God in heaven who reigns. And he, so He raised him back up. But you see, the humble, they know by their own bitter experience that in them dwelleth no good thing and and yet nothing. Simeon said nothing but what furnishes matter for the deepest humiliation. But they see in God sufficient to excite their devoutest adoration. Whether they contemplate the perfections of His nature or the works of His hands, the wonders of His providence or the riches of His grace, they are filled, he says, with wonder and astonishment and pour contempt on all created excellencies. They exclaim, O God, who is like unto Thee? The humble shall hear of it, my boasting that is, and shall be glad. And then in verse 3, and we'll have to end with verse 3 here, he says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Matthew Henry says we cannot make greater or higher make God greater or higher than He is. That is 
It's not like a magnifying glass. When you take a magnifying glass, children, and you, you put it over something, it makes it look much bigger than it is. Your fingers look bigger. You hold it over your mouth. Your mouth looks bigger. Everything looks bigger than it actually is. Well, that's not what the psalmist means here, that we're making God bigger than He actually is. Now, believe it or not, there are some theologians who think that maybe we've exaggerated God's attributes. We've made more out of them than what the Scriptures really teach. But that's not so. You can't make God greater than He actually is. But Matthew Henry says uh, He's infinitely great, higher than the highest. He's pleased to reckon this magnifying and exalting Him. Uh, This is something that we're just showing how great God actually is. And Matthew Henry said we must do this together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Matthew Henry said, God's praises sound best in concert. For so we praise Him as the angels do in heaven. They praise Him together. Remember the heavenly host sang, Glory be to God in the highest. They sang together. And Matthew Henry says, Those that share in God's favor, as all the saints do, should concur in His praises, and we should be as desirous of the assistance of our friends in returning thanks for His mercies as in praying for them. So we ought to come together and thank God together. And that's what we do in corporate prayer. Not only in the singing of the hymns to God, but in our prayer we are praying together. Uh, The prayers are offered, yes, by one person, but on behalf of all. And so all are praying together. And one says, Lord, we thank You. Each of our hearts should say, Amen. Yes, Lord. That's true. Thank You, Lord. Or when we make a request, we're offering it together. And so we, uh, so we are exalting the Lord together. So here He blesses the Lord. He calls upon the Lord. He boasts in Him. And He says, Magnify the Lord with me. And so as we come to prayer tonight, we're doing all of that. We're boasting in Him. We're trusting in Him. We're blessing Him. We're we're magnifying His name and exalting it together. Would you go with me in prayer? Father in Heaven, thank You for uh, this psalm that's so rich in praise to You. For Lord, You do deserve our praise. For You're the God of heaven and earth, the One who delivers Your people from all their troubles. You delivered us from sin and shame. Will You not, through Christ, give us all things? We thank You for the great promises we have in Him. Help us as we come to pray to exalt Your name together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.